The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who is saying to you, Give me a drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand, because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, What are you looking for, or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified, that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him, 
Because of the word of the woman who testified, he had told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Last weekend we began the homily with a letter from the bishop, and we have another one this week, and truth be told, we might have another one next week. So I uh, just want to, to begin with, uh, with this note from Bishop Duca. He says, To the clergy, religious, and faithful of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, in order to promote safety and health in public worship and to assist in alleviating undue anxiety among the faithful, especially the elderly and vulnerable, It is prudent to give an update about the coronavirus and how our community's response to its threat continues to evolve. Governor Edwards today, on Friday, issued a proclamation asking people to refrain from gatherings of more than 250 to prevent the spread of COVID-19. It is our desire to cooperate with his order to continue to preserve people's health and well-being. It is also our desire to try to maintain as best we can our Sunday and daily mass schedules while allowing our parishioners the freedom to maintain guilt-free decisions as to whether to attend Mass at their parish churches. To this end, first, the Catholic diocese, the Catholic faithful of the Diocese of Baton Rouge are dispensed from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass beginning this weekend, March 14th or 15th, until April 13th, 2020. I specifically encourage that those who are elderly, sick, experiencing symptoms of illness, or who are at high risk of illness, not attend Mass, for your safety during this time of emergency. This dispensation should be interpreted broadly as possible to include all Catholics, even if healthy, especially those who also care for or regularly come into contact with those who are high risk, or if you are concerned or afraid for your personal health, or if you are even a little suspicious that you might be sick, or even if you believe you should not attend for the common good. In all these and similar cases, do not attend Mass. The further dates, sorry, further dates may be added to this dispensation if there is a continued state of emergency or if the threat of spreading the virus remains. We do not currently, we are not currently changing our Sunday and daily Mass schedules in any of our parishes, but this decision is open to change by me from week to week. Second, Parishes are encouraged to discontinue all unnecessary gatherings of parishioners and to consider canceling large social events like parish festivals, missions, and seated meals. Third, pursuant to the governor of Louisiana's order closing public schools in the state of Louisiana beginning March 16th until April 13th, we have decided that all Catholic schools in the Diocese of Baton Rouge follow the same school closure schedule in light of the governor's directive. Again, further directives may be issued as warranted. The previous guidelines still remain in effect. First, distribution of communion under the species of bread alone. We receive the totality of Christ when we receive the sacred host. The distribution of communion from the chalice could be a high risk for contamination, and thus it has been discontinued except for priests and deacons. 
Second, the invitation to receive communion on the hand. This measure is to protect ministers and recipients. Reception on the tongue could inadvertently contaminate the hands of those distributing communion. Third, eliminating the exchange of the physical sign of peace and omitting the spontaneous gesture of hand-holding during the Our Father in an effort to minimize physical contact. In conclusion, I want to emphasize that we should not experience any pangs of conscience as we adjust to these changes over the next few weeks. I am well aware that this is a hard time in the lives of our Catholic faithful and for our many brothers and sisters who, though not of our faith, like us, observe the holy season of Lent. Perhaps we can embrace the sacrifices we are now experiencing and join them to our other Lenten practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We pray that we will be able to celebrate an Easter season free of the threat that is, now, that is not only disrupting our worship routines, but causing great suffering in so many people's lives. In Christ, our hope, Michael Duca, Most Reverend uh, Bishop of Baton Rouge from the Chancery, March 13th, 2020. So as Bishop indicated, uh, that the Mass schedule is not changing, uh, that we will continue to offer Sunday Masses and daily Masses until further notice. Uh, the Mass schedule is, is normal for us, effectively, um, but that, uh, that a large number of events in the parish uh, have been canceled or are being canceled and rescheduled. Uh, if you want a, a list of that or if you have questions about any of those kinds of events, you can go to the parish website, goodstanand.com. On the top of the page, there's a little button that you can click, and that will bring you to a page with the bishop's letter on it, uh, and we'll have information on all the individual events and particular things that are changing or being canceled uh, here in the parish as far as events. And you can also go to the parish calendar on the website, and that's up to date as well with particular events that, uh, that are happening or not happening uh, in the life of the community. So I'd encourage everybody, uh, again, be sensible if you are sick or anything else, uh, uh, most certainly to observe uh, Bishop Duca's encouragement to be able to stay home. Uh, but just because you're dispensed from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass doesn't mean you're dispensed from the obligation to be Catholic. Uh, so <laughs> if you have to skip Sunday Mass, it's, under, it's understandable. Certainly, again, the bishop is kind of giving this uh, as broadly as possible. Um, but as your pastor, I would certainly encourage you um, that if you're not able to make it to Mass or you feel it necessary to skip, um, that you would try to watch Mass on TV. Uh, the cathedral usually televises Sunday Mass as well as a number of other churches uh, on EWTN and different Catholic channels uh, have, have Sunday Mass and even daily Mass often uh, videotaped to be able to, to show throughout the day. Uh, or you can pray with the readings for Mass, make a good spiritual communion. There's a prayer. Specifically, if you can't receive communion for some reason, you can make a spiritual communion. There's a prayer for it. Type in spiritual communion on the Internet, and you'll find it. Um, and you can offer that prayer on days where you can't receive Holy Communion for whatever reason, and you'll receive in the same way the grace of the Eucharist that you would have received. So making a spiritual communion is a wonderful opportunity uh, for the faithful who are not... Um, not taking part in the celebration liturgy and receiving the Eucharist, um, and simply to be able to pray, to be people of faith, to be able to pray the rosary. Uh, I would encourage everybody to pray the rosary daily, uh, especially in this time. Our Lady is powerful in hearing our prayers. Also, at uh, all the exits of the, of the church, um, there are little, not little, it's kind of uh, large prayer cards uh, to St. Rock. Uh, St. Rock is a patron against plagues, uh, so there's a powerful prayer where in, the, in a time of great disease and illness in his own day, he ministered to people and brought healing by the power of the sign of the cross. 
Um, and so we have uh, uh, actually a little bit of a connection to him. Uh, St. Rock is that saint up there, right there uh, in the corner of our church. Uh, so St. Rock is uh, he's quietly watching over us, uh, praying for us and interceding for us. So he's connected to us here. So I'd encourage you to pick up uh, one or multiple of those cards and take them home. Take them to people uh, that you know that, that would like to join your prayers um, in praying for health, both of mind and of body. So... Again, if you have any questions, feel free to, to contact, uh, contact myself or the parish office. So, um, obviously when I was praying with the readings this week, there was some big thing that was on my mind, uh, namely the coronavirus that's changing everything. And I was praying with this, this reality that, that everything went from relatively normal to Amazon.com doesn't have toilet paper in a range of about 36 hours. Life went from totally normal to Europe is canceled to baseball, basketball, any other sport we care about is canceled. That school, unthinkably, school is just kind of like, eh, we're done, just don't come back Monday. Uh, we'll give you further notice. Um, the grandparents who might have had plans probably don't have plans anymore because school is canceled, right? All of these things, that, 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 that all of this stuff that we, that our, our calendars were nicely planned out, that we had, we had these, you know, we had, we had our life together. We had things, it made sense. And the great reality is that one of the things of the human heart is that we get it, honestly, from our first parents, Adam and Eve, a desire to have control over things. Adam and Eve were told, you can eat of any tree in the garden, just don't eat that one tree. And what do they do? Eat from that one tree because the devil said, if you eat of that tree, you'll, you'll be like God. You'll have control. You'll have power. You'll have authority. You will know things. You will understand it all. And that's so often the desire of our hearts is to have control, to know, to understand, to have authority. And in the midst of this coronavirus, all of that if we perceived we had it, has been shaken. Calendars change, school changes, work changes, home changes, vacation changes, church changes. Everything is kind of thrown on its head and we're just watching the pieces fall and wondering what's going to happen next. And in the midst of it, there can be great uncertainty. In this time, the Lord invites us by the readings that we offer today and by the prayers of the Mass, to a profound trust in the person of Jesus. To trust him. Adam and Eve did not trust God the Father fully. They trusted the evil one who told them that they could have control, that they could have authority, that they could have understanding and knowledge and all of these things to be like God. But the Lord invites us to trust him and to know that we are okay not having control, knowledge, understanding, certainty, and so many of the other things that we like to have or at least like to think that we have in the course of our days. We're called to trust. The gospel that we just read is long. It's about three pages in length in the book that I read out of. And it is jam-packed with stuff to pray with. 
You could literally do an entire semester lesson, an entire semester's college course on that one passage and still not have time to finish it all. It is absolutely jam-packed with stuff to chew on for the gift of our faith. But I would suggest to you there's particularly one thing that the Lord desires us to focus upon today. And it's that little detail, as always is the case, that Jesus shows up at a well. You see, you may recall that in the, God, in the scriptures, anytime somebody shows up at a well in the Old Testament, the result was marriage. Every time. Go look at, go look at the well. Anytime you look up the word well in the Old Testament, without fail, somebody's getting married shortly thereafter. And it's interesting that we see that kind of dynamic happening exactly in the gospel. That Jesus, a single fella, goes to a well at the middle of the day. And there's a lady, the woman of Samaria, a single lady. And nobody else is around. John makes it clear to point out that all the disciples had gone into town. Now, you may be thinking that I'm going to propose to you that Jesus proposed to the woman here. And that Jesus got married and Jesus had kids. And that there's this group of the Knight Templars that preserved the bloodline of Jesus. And I'm not going there. Jesus did not get married in an earthly sense. He didn't have an earthly wife, blah, 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 blah. What Jesus does do is he proposes in a spiritual manner to this woman. And this woman is a symbol, as a sign, a representative of something much, much greater. Because Jesus is not just the Savior. He is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom who comes to take the church, his bride, to the heavenly marriage feast of heaven. The woman is representing you and me and everybody else to whom Jesus says, I love you. I know your sins and I want to show you mercy. You are thirsty and you keep looking in all the wrong places. You keep filling yourself with things that don't satisfy you. And I want to propose to you that I can bring you with me to a place where there is no more thirst. I want to bring you to a place of perpetual joy, perpetual peace, where there is no sorrow, where there is nothing that is lacking. This is what Jesus proposes to her and to every one of us. In short, he comes and he says... I want you to come with me to heaven. This is his offering. The bridegroom to us, the bride, the church. Jesus offers us this gift. It's the most wonderful thing. And the woman understands it in so many ways. Jesus is calling to her. And he's inviting her to receive this gift. He's proposing in a spiritual manner. And she doesn't necessarily understand, as often we struggle to understand the things of God very clearly, right? And so she's, she's receiving the proposal of Jesus. And like sometimes you see those, you know, the, the picture of the brides that are on TV. You know, the people are recording the proposals of the groom, of the, the guy to the, to the lady. And, they, and they, they don't understand it at first. And then it clicks and they go, oh, you're proposing, <laughs> right? Like that moment basically happens with the woman here. Is, is everything's going along and Jesus, you know, she, he, he's offering these gifts to her and she's going, you know, he, he's saying, if you would knew who you were talking to, he would give you living water, water that would well up to eternal life. I want to give you heaven. 
but she doesn't necessarily get it. She's kind of confused. She starts to go off on the kind of a, a different tangent, kind of not, not recognizing exactly what's taking place. And then the Lord continues to speak to her, and he says, call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Okay, yeah, you know, you've had five. The one you're with is not, not your husband. Okay, you're, you're right. And then the conversation continues, and he reveals that he is the Christ. And after this, she picks up and runs into town. <laughs> the disciples, all the disciples come back at this most intimate moment, right? Where she understands and she realizes, oh, he's proposing to me. He's proposing eternal life to me. He's offering me this incredible gift. Even in my sinfulness, he loves me. And she goes into the town and tells everybody, come see a man who's told me everything I've done. In other words, come see a man who loves me despite my sinfulness. You have to meet him. He's incredible. And the town follows after her. And they go. And ultimately, many come to believe. And many are joined to the bridegroom and given the share in the promise of eternal glory. Christ loves her, despite her sins. It would be enough for that to have happened and for Jesus to kind of ride off in the sunset. But this is not what takes place, we all know, as we heard in the gospel, or not in the gospel, in the second reading today. St. Paul writes and he says, God proves his love for us. He doesn't just kind of show it. He proves it. It's absolutely factual. God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to question God's love? He loved you and died in your place so that you wouldn't have to suffer anymore while you were already singing against him. You were fighting against him and he was still loving you in the midst of it all and died in your place. God has proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the foundation of our trust in God. We know that the cross still happens in this life. And in the midst of the cross, the, the, the reality is that Jesus is always calling us to trust in me because I love you. And he has proven his love for us. Trust in me, he says. Moses didn't know Jesus, per se, but he knew the Father. And when the father comes to him and Moses is in the midst of a rebellion, the people were fighting against him. They think he's led them out into the desert to die. And they're all rebelling against Moses. And Moses is turning to the Lord and saying, Lord, help. And the Lord God says, Moses, you remember that stick? Take that stick and go hit a rock. And I'm going to give drink to the thousands of people that are there with you. And the most incredible thing is recorded in the scriptures that follows. Three words. This Moses did. He did something crazy. I mean, imagine that, that you were in a, in a deep and profound struggle and the Lord said, Hey, you know, there's a, you remember that stick, that stick you got in the yard? I want you to go hit a rock with it and it's going to feed everybody. Yeah. Imagine if the Lord said, yeah, hey, uh, how about you take, take that stick and go strike the levee? And toilet paper is just going to roll down the hills. <laughs> Everybody's going to have toilet paper. Everybody will be fixed up. Would any of us take a stick and go trustingly hit the levee and see what happens? 
No, because that sounds absolutely crazy. But this Moses did. A trust in God that was beyond reasonableness. That a rock struck by a stick would give drink to thousands. And yet he trusted. And the Lord provided. And the place today is known as Barabah Massa. And we commemorate it oftentimes in the Psalms as the place where people were tempted and tested by the Lord. But the Lord provided for his people to show his faithfulness, to show his love. The responsorial psalm today that we sang to the Lord is also something we should be singing to ourselves and singing to one another. If today you hear the voices of the Lord, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. When we face the reality of uncertainty, of things changing, of a loss of control, of a lack of clarity, of a complete lack of understanding, many things can arise in our heart. We can be angry, we can be confused, we can be afraid, we can have all of those emotions and more simultaneously or in rapid succession. And the simple fact is that if we, give, if we allow those things to consume us, our hearts will become incredibly hard because we will place our trust in things rather than in Christ. We will place our trust in ourselves rather than in Christ. And the Lord bids us, do not be afraid. Do not be angry. Do not be fearful. Do not be upset. Trust in me. The Lord bids us come and trust. The reality is that, again, so much can happen within our hearts in a time of of difficulty that we can cry out to the Lord and wonder if he hears us. We can wonder if if he's turning to our cries, if he's deaf to us, maybe, and maybe he's caring for something else. So many things can arise in our hearts, and those things that can happen within us that test our faith can dry out our hearts like clay baked in the sun. They can make our hearts incredibly hard. And this is why the Lord providentially gives us today this refrain, harden not your hearts. Jesus promised us that if we stay close to him, that he will stay close to us. That if we remain in him, then water will well up within us, welling up to eternal life. And that water will continue to keep soft the soil of our hearts, that they might not become hard. And it's time to call us for us to place our trust in a profound way in the person of Jesus. And to know that he will provide for us. We may not understand it. We may have all kinds of emotions about it. But whatever it is that is taking place within our minds, whatever it is that is taking place within our hearts, or even if we just don't even care, we're just kind of like coronavirus, what? I don't care about that. Even if you're in that place, which please don't be in that place. Um, But if if you're in that place, all of us, no matter where we are, are called to a profound trust in Jesus. Because he loves us. He's proven his love for us. 
and he continues to prove his love in this time. It's a call for us to place our trust in the Lord and to pray, to live our faith. In the sense, the Lord can use this time as a, a purifying fire to test what of our faith is really, is really sturdy and what's, what's grass that's easily set aside. It's a time to prove our virtue, an opportunity to manifest our faith, to place our trust in the Lord, to come to him and to allow him to be with us in whatever it is that we experience. Again, there's so much uncertainty. Next week, things might be perfectly fine. And next week, we may not have Mass anymore. And next week, there may be total chaos. And next week, who knows? And all of it? Trust in the Lord. Because this is our task. Whatever else the world around us is doing, our task as Christians is to remember that Christ is stronger than everything in this world. Everything. Indeed, we're trying to prevent the spread of the virus and ultimately trying to prevent death. But you know what? Even if death were to come, Christ is still victorious over that. We pray it doesn't, of course. But even if death comes... Christ still is greater than this. And for those who would experience it, they have the opportunity to enter into heavenly marriage feast with Jesus. This is the promise that we can set our hopes in. The promise of Jesus. In the days to come, certainly there are many things that may be a cross for us in whatever way they come. And I would invite you, in the lives of the saints imitating the lives of the saints, rather, to allow the Lord Jesus to plant his cross in your heart. There's a wonderful saint of the church. I forget her name, but we visited her when we were in Rome several years back. She prayed that the Lord would plant his cross in her heart, that staying close to the cross, her life might become fruitful because the cross is the tree of life. It's the tree of true life. And if Christ is close to us, if we stay close to him, In the cross, if we bear our sufferings in union with Jesus, our life becomes fruitful in whatever way the Lord wills, here on earth or in heavenly glory. So it's for us to stay close to Jesus. Even if Mass were to be canceled, and I pray to God that it is not, even if Mass were to be canceled, it doesn't mean that Jesus has left us. Because he's right there in the tabernacle, with us, every moment of the day. The Lord does not leave us. So we pray. We pray to St. Rock. We pray to St. Joseph. We pray to our Blessed Mother. We pray to St. Anne. We pray to whatever saint you want to pray to. And we ask them all to intercede for us and with us to the heart of Jesus, that we might stay close to that heart. That heart who loves us in our brokenness, who knows our needs, who proves his love for us, and continues to provide for us. So let us set our eyes on Jesus, because he has set his eyes on us. He will not look away from us. He remains in our midst.